Welcome to the Expedition Marriage Podcast. We're Chris and Jamie Bailey. We're married, we're Christian counselors, and we're marriage coaches. We're here because we want to help you have what we have, a God-centered, fun, connected marriage filled with friendship and laughter. And we know what God has done for us, and we trust that He can do the same thing for you. So, no matter where you're at in your marriage, join us as we share biblical truth, practical tips, and lots of laughs along the way. Get ready, because we're going to help you. Enjoy the journey. Well, welcome to another episode, actually a special episode. Um, you know what? Some things that we try to remind you well, with through our ministry, through the podcast and on Instagram is that God loves you, right? And there's a purpose that he has for you and your marriage. And also God is a God of redemption. Mm-hmm. I like to cling to the fact that God makes use out of all of our pain and struggles. So uh, whether we get to see it this side of heaven or not. I'm confident that there's not a tear that falls that he's not aware of. I know that scripture says that, but also I think he does paint beauty from ashes. And so he does make use out of things that we may or may not be aware of. And these testimonies that he gives us, they're powerful. And we believe that they're meant to be shared. They're meant to be used for other people's good to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Let's be kept to ourselves. And so we actually, this special episode that we have, that Jamie is going to be sharing some of her testimony that God has given to her and that's recently kind of come around. So this is just a little different than what we normally do. Mm-hmm. So we're here together, but you're mostly going to hear from me on this episode. And it is going to be a different kind of episode. I don't know what timeline I'm going to stick to. I don't know anything, any of the details. It's not going to be scripted. I don't have notes for this. I don't have anything. I'm really just going to allow myself to be Holy Spirit led through this process. And what I share is what I'm going to trust he wants me to share. And so I might go, I might weave in and out of some stories and, and piece some things together. But you know what? It's going to have to be okay. It's going to have to be okay. And so I'm just going to, if you've been around here any length of time, you've probably heard me mention that I do come from a dysfunctional family and that's not going to be the the main point to what I'm sharing today. And so I did grow up in a home where there was abuse and yelling and screaming and adultery and addiction and alcoholism and lots of things like that. And it was a very chaotic upbringing and it 100% shaped me. And what I'm going to share is one of the biggest things that it kind of shaped me to do. And that was to find myself in an abusive relationship. So I was a young teenage girl dating somebody from high school. And this was right before I quit high school. My mother withdrew me from high school at the age of 16. And so I'm living on my own basically at this point, dating this boyfriend from high school who really is no good for me. But it's the example I saw. It's the it's what I knew and it's what was familiar. And so even as miserable as it was, it was my normal. And that's what I knew. And so I'm dating this guy who's a little bit older than me, but we're both living in an apartment together. And I am being mentally, emotionally, and physically abused pretty consistently. He did drugs. He drank all the time. And it was a very toxic situation. And it shouldn't be a surprise to, to think that I would end up a pregnant teenager. And that is exactly what happened. So here I am. I'm 18 years old in a violent relationship, just living a life of fighting, of hostility, of self-protection, and also of extreme unworthiness. 
I was already a girl who grew up not feeling wanted, feeling like a constant bother, and never being advocated for. So any harm that came my way, I had no other choice but to assume it was because of who I was. And that left me very hopeless and without any direction to turn to. I had already attempted suicide twice as a young teenager. My life was miserable. Going around living as if you're unlovable is not tolerable for long. And I felt that so deeply that I didn't even want to exist in the world anymore. Praise God that he redeemed that part of me. Praise God that he intervened even before I knew him. And I am so grateful for that because so much goodness has come out of my life. And had my attempts worked, everything would be different. Everything would be different. But just to share with you where I was at mentally and emotionally. And people often look at us now and they think we're, we're on here. We're talking about enjoy the journey. We know all this wisdom about marriage and great things. And God is so evident in our lives. But they don't know this side of me. They don't know this side of us. They don't know that we started out together as non-believers. They don't know that we moved in together four months after we met, that we didn't know Jesus. We were partying. We were having problems left and right with our relationship. Nobody saw that side of us. And it's so important to both of us that you don't get the wrong impression of us. We want you to see our joy because it is real. We want you to see our amazing relationship and the fun that we have and the connection that we have because it is real. But we also more than any of that want you to see Jesus Christ. We want you to see him and how you're going to see him most is by seeing that joy and also seeing the backdrop of what who we were before then and who I was before then, I can assure you is nothing like who I am right now. And so I was once this girl who lived with unworthiness, being abused left and right. And let me tell you when the changing point came in my life. It's after I delivered our daughter. I had our little girl, Alicia. And at this point, I am 19. And it was another day at home, new baby, brand new baby. And a argument broke out. And what had happened changed everything for me because what happened is in the middle of the fight, my husband at the time who I did marry him by now, after we had our daughter, we did get married. And at the time we're fighting, he kicked my dog and there was a switch that got flipped in my life that said, if he will kick your dog, he will hurt your child. And let me tell you, I may have felt unworthy, but my daughter was not. And there's no way I was going to allow my daughter to be raised in a home like this and to be susceptible to being abused by anybody. I had no idea how to fight for myself, but I sure as heck was going to figure out how to fight for her. And that moment, my life changed. That is the moment I left. I left and I went home. I barely took anything with me. I went to my parents' house who knew Keep in mind, they knew the abuse was going on and nobody ever advocated. Nobody did for me what I was doing for my little newborn daughter. And I waited my entire life for that. And I knew growing up, I knew neighbors knew what was going on in our home. I knew teachers knew what was going on. I missed school because I was 
in a hospital because of suicide attempts. I had all these issues going on. No teachers, no friends, no neighbors. Nobody stood up and advocated, which only fed the lies I was believing that nobody cared about me and that I was unlovable. The enemy used all these people around me and silenced them to, to dig roots to that horrible lie I was believing that I was unworthy. And this is where, you know, Chris is going to come in later and and you're going to hear how he met that need for me. Because what happened is after I left my husband, I was at my parents' house and was going to fully move back in and get on my feet again. And I went out with my girlfriend for a girl's night. My parents had had Alicia and I went out just to go out with a friend. And that's the night I met Chris. That's another night that was going to change my life. I had zero intentions of meeting a man, wanting to be with a man or anything like that. It was two weeks, two weeks after I had separated from my husband and I meet Chris. He's singing karaoke, singing Billy Joel at a karaoke bar. And we met and that was it. We pretty much were together ever since then. There is zero reasons why that relationship should have worked newly separated from a violent marriage, growing up in a dysfunctional house. I mean, this is the the thing that I think now God was so gracious to put blinders on my husband. He grew up in a healthy home. He was stable. He was a good guy. And I just was carrying around truckloads of baggage with me. And he had no idea what he was about to help me unload. And, but God was so good. He's like, this is, this is going to be the one for you. And neither of us knew him at this point. We had no idea what was going to unfold and that we would end up where, where we are. And so I go forward and after we're dating for a little bit, I decide I need to go back to my apartment. I've got to get my stuff. I've got to get Alicia's things. And I called Chris on the phone. I told him what I was doing. And I said, if you don't hear from me by X amount of time, I need you to call the police. And that, and that was that. My mom kept our daughter. I drove over there and lo and behold, he's home and a fight breaks out. And it once again had turned physical. I end up with a swollen eye, a, a bleeding ear, in pain. I pulled off at a payphone. I just took off, pulled off at a payphone, and I called Chris, told him where I was. He's with a friend, sent me over to his, his house, and immediately Chris and his friend are on the phone calling my ex and threatening that man's life. And I say that, and it's not appropriate or anything like that, but it is. It is because you know what? That was the first time somebody advocated for me. That was the first moment in my life that somebody said, you are worth it. And I will never forget that moment. I will never forget the cops already being there when I pulled up at his friend's house. I will never forget his friend and him madder than anything because of what had happened to me, enraged, wanting to truly go after this man. It is wrong, but it's so not. It's so not. It was the most right thing that had ever happened to me in my life at that moment. And what ensued after that is the cops got involved and I finally, for one time, had the courage to press charges. And I was going to make sure this was not going to happen again. And that's what I did. I moved forward and months had passed by and so much waffling. I don't want to do this anymore. This is too hard. I'm too scared. It's not going to happen. It doesn't matter. I really don't matter. Nobody cares what's happened to me. Nobody's going to believe me. And you know why I kept going? 
because of this man I'm sitting here right next to right now. He gave me courage step by step. He emboldened me step by step. He loved me step by step. He told me how worth it I was. And so the day came when court came. And I remember sitting there, taking the stand, sharing my story and being asked to point at the man who did this to me. And at the same moment, pointing my finger, looking at the accused, looking at the guilty who I knew had done these things to me. And within a moment, turning my eyes to that man that's sitting right next to me right now, looking at me and giving me every ounce of courage that he had just in the way that he made eye contact with me. Knowing I had his support was a huge changing moment in my life as well. And I felt so insecure after that trial. I left before it ended. I just walked out because I just knew it wasn't going to be on my side. I knew I was going to lose. I didn't want to stay around for that. And when, as soon as we got home, I got a phone call. I won. He was found guilty. And he got sentenced to five years in prison for the violence that he had done to me. And it was, I was overjoyed. I felt safe. I felt joy. And I felt value. I felt like this is going to be where my life all comes together and changes. And to a degree, it was. But to another degree, hard things were only just about to start happening because now my life became incredibly vulnerable. Now I had what I was used to was abuse and rejection and being a bother. But what Chris was now giving me was all the foreign things. He was giving me love. He was giving me attention. He was advocating for me and he was caring for me. And as crazy as it sounds, that scared the crap out of me. I wanted it with every fiber of my being and I resisted it with every other fiber of my being. And that's what happened so much for so so many years into our marriage and into our relationship was I loved it and I needed it so bad. But the second one thing went wrong, I became nasty. I became nasty because I was scared that I was going to lose this thing I had waited my entire life to have. It horrified me and I'd rather throw it away real fast than to have it walk away from me. And so I spent so much of my life learning how to fight, learning how to be scrappy. And that's what I brought into our relationship. It's what I brought. And two years later, you know, Chris and I end up getting married and we start our own family and and we're together. And that's kind of what marriage looked like. I put this man in the position of a savior. He rode in like a a knight in shining armor. And that's what I expected and needed him to be every moment of our time together. Do you all know how hard of a job that is for this poor man? The expectations, it, it started off really well because he was on a pedestal and he loved that pedestal. But if he inched away from it, I was freaking out on him. I, my, I was dukes up all the time because that was my normal. That was my normal. I wanted love so badly, but I didn't know how to receive it. And I needed it constantly. I needed it all the time. And mind you, neither one of us knew Jesus. Chris is doing this in his own strength. And I'm putting him in the position of being my savior, having to be that perfect one who's there for me all the time. And so as much as it was so great to be out of the abuse, I was probably more scared being loved than I was being abused. And that is a really, really hard statement to make. But that is the reality of our situation. And so all through this, just to share that too, 
my ex-husband signed over legal rights, signed over his custody for Chris to adopt our daughter since she was, he, he has been the only father figure she has ever known. She has ever known. He has been there since she was one and has been an amazing father figure to her. And I am so grateful that God saw fit to do that. And so grateful that God miraculously had this man willingly sign over his daughter because he knew he couldn't be half the father that Chris was going to be. Such a gift he gave to us. And it was a beautiful gift. And and so Alicia was adopted by him and is her daddy. And you can't tell anybody any differently, any differently. And in fact, our first granddaughter, her name is Bailey. And it's because of how much Alicia loves being a Bailey. It's how much of a gift she knows. She knows her daddy chose her. And so that is where our granddaughter gets her name from. And that is such, such a special thing. And so, yo, I was now physically safe, but emotionally I had never been more vulnerable. And I had to spend so much time learning how to be loved. And what happened in all of this is about, I don't know, our daughter, that the one that we're talking about now was nine when Chris and I both became believers. And that's a whole nother story in itself. It's an amazing story, but long story short, we're now followers of Jesus. And that's where everything in my past came up. That's where the anxiety came in, the trauma from my childhood, the trauma from my marriage. God was going, okay, you know me now, let's do this. It's time to clean house. And that was such a great gift. And so Chris had to walk with me through all of that He was the most pleasing, passive person on the planet. And he had to grow in that way because he's a man who would, he overdid everything that I was longing for my whole life. He overloved, he overcared, he did so much for me and he exhausted himself. And it is, I I love that so much about him, but it is not good for a marriage. It was not beneficial to me and it was not beneficial to our marriage. Me running to him as my savior was something I had to learn not to do because now I had my savior. Now I had my true rescuer and learning how to rely on the Lord was a very, it's still a hard thing for me to do. It's still hard to trust. It's still hard to not self-protect, to not take care of myself. And we still struggle with that aspect in our marriage because I will, if something begins to hurt in our relationship, if we have a disconnect, I will charge in or I will run full out away. I will do one or the other because pain is difficult for me. Love is more difficult. You know, honestly, I say pain, but it's really love that's that can be difficult for me. And so going back, because I don't want to not share this story with you, because I do want you to get, we have not always been who we are today. Not even close. We had fights. I threw things at my husband. I screamed at him. I've driven down the road in a minivan with him holding onto the roof racks, trying not to let me go. We have been through the ringer with things and we have done the work. We have followed Jesus. We studied his word. We took classes. We learned how to become more like Christ. And right there, putting God in the center of our marriage, hands down is what redeemed everything about us. 
We grew as individuals. We followed the Lord as individuals. And he will straight up teach you how to be a wife and how to be a husband. And that is what has changed our marriage. His word and who he is will transform your life better than anything else there is. There's no white knuckling experience with God. When he changes something in you, he straight up changes it. And so we agreed with him for our marriage and we chose to work on ourselves. And that's where we got, that's how we got to where we are today. But here's the story I want to share with you because it is such a God story. So if you flash forward to all of this time and I went through, part of my healing was forgiving my ex-husband. I did that. I did that rather easily. But part of that involved that walking down that, you know, road of forgiveness. And what happened about 15, when our daughter was 15 years old, she's now 31, um, we got a phone call. I got a phone call. Somebody had seen my ex-husband on the news. I look up the story and sure enough, there he is on CNN. And it is a news story of this man who's a cabbie, drives a cab, who was robbed. He was robbed and he was held at at, at gunpoint or at knife point. And he refused to give up his money. And it said he refused it because he had $40 he had earned that night and he had cancer and he wanted to save that for his, his wife and his other daughter. And I knew at that moment that this man had terminal cancer. And what had happened because he refused, these guys stabbed him in the face. They slid his face open and and really injured him. And that's why it made headlines because he fought for that $40 to provide for his family. And I knew that is one of the times where the Lord spoke to my heart and is all he kept saying, he's like, he needs to know me. He needs to know me. And it didn't matter that this man abused me. It didn't matter the pain he caused, what I felt. And what I kept hearing is the story of the paralytic man. You got to raise him through the roof. You got to drop him through the roof. And because of that, I went before our Sunday school class. I pulled in people. And y'all, this stuff is embarrassing to stand up before your Sunday school class and go, um, you know, I know y'all don't know this, but I got an ex-husband who was a drug addict and an abuser and all of this stuff. And he's got cancer now and he's going to die. And y'all need to pray for his salvation. That was pretty much how that went. It was scary. It was uncomfortable. And I knew I had to do it because it's what God told me to do. And it was during that time when God was telling me, you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. You need to pray for this man because I need him to know me. I have never in my life felt the heart of God for his children, for his creation more than I did in that moment. And I also have never felt the heart of God for marriage more than I did in that mar- in that moment. And now I know not a shadow of a doubt that the Lord did not want me being abused, not at all. But what I also knew in that moment was all that God could have done had we just trusted him, had we just known him, had we surrendered our lives to him, I knew that God could redeem. And he was about to show me the biggest redemption story ever. And so we went on to pray as a class, to pray me privately every morning. I have journals filled with my prayers for this man who had abused me. 
It continued to be on the news. We were interviewed and all of these things. And we were actually going to go down and meet him and allow him to meet Alicia with Alicia's consent. We had talked all about this. This was grueling on our family, just grueling. It was so hard on Alicia. It was hard on us. It was hard in our marriage. Just what an awkward, difficult thing to do. And Chris is so protective of Alicia. But we knew the higher calling was to get this man to know Jesus. And I will tell you, and I had, before all that happened, I had to pick up the phone. I'm like, I've got to call my ex-husband and, and talk to him about Jesus. How am I going to do this? Hey, I know last time I talked to you, I sent you to prison, but I need you to know, you know, this, this savior that I know. And I call him because on the news, what happened and how I even got his information, and this never happens, but they're covering his, his story on the news that the video camera honed in on his mailbox with his address. That never happens. That would be a huge violation, I would believe. And I got it and I ended up getting his information. And so I sit down and I call this man to tell him he needs to know Jesus. No idea how I'm going to do this. And we had been praying this whole time for him and about a month had passed by. He answers the phone and he's like, this is Jamie, my ex-wife, Jamie. I'm like, yes, he instantly begins to tell me, I've got to tell you about my God. This is the man. I'm like, what? Wait a minute. You know, you're flipping the script on me here. What had happened is just two weeks before he's telling me the story. I don't know what happened. I just went to church and I was sitting there and it was like I was the only one there. And the pastor was talking just to me and I knew I needed to surrender my life to Christ. And that's what that man did. That is the redemptive power that our God has. For him to use an ex-wife who was abused as the catalyst to pray this man into heaven is an incredible thing that never, ever happens. And let me tell you, when we were set, this is afterwards we set up the time to go back to Florida and to meet them and to have Alicia meet him. He died a mere two days before that event happened. And we already were making the trip there. We didn't get Alicia involved at this point. But would you believe that I was the one asked to speak at his funeral? And so here I am sharing the goodness of God, sharing his redemptive story, sharing who God is and sharing the gospel at this man who spent years abusing me at his funeral. That is something that only the Lord can do. And so whether he does that for us individually or in our marriages or whatever situation we have, I want you to hear now, he is God and he can do what he wants. Redemption is his thing. And so when we talk to you about what we believe God can do in your marriage, I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. There is not a story that comes into our office that we don't believe the hope of Jesus Christ can redeem. He doesn't redeem them all because not everybody wants to work with him. Not everybody wants to surrender with him. But it doesn't mean he wasn't able to do it. It doesn't mean he's not able. He is a God who redeems and he's always offering his hope and it is always there. And I sit before you today telling you of who I once was, this girl who never had any value, never knew it, 
didn't have identity, wasn't love, was a pain in the butt to everybody, and just felt no value or worth at all. To a woman who knows beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am God's daughter. I am deeply and fiercely loved by him, by my family, and by this man that sits right next to me. And the work he has done in our lives is undeniable. And so I hope my story encourages you. I hope it breathes life into you. I hope it gives you hope. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? Invite him into your life. He can redeem anything that's been lost. And I hope that you trust him to do that because a surrendered life to Christ is a life where you can truly enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm.